With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, recording hey there, in progress. <laughs> hey there, everybody. I never beat her, man. And this is Kenny and... Kenny Squared. With the sports on the Positive Tip Podcast. Kenny, what's going on there in the Midwest? Are you guys still in the midst of uh, that heat wave that, that is sweeping across the country? We haven't gotten it yet, but uh, are you still getting hit by this heat wave? Um, we were until this morning. I I let the dog out and it was absolutely like I wouldn't say freezing. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it wasn't like blazing hot. Yeah, it it, it could change there too. Um, you know, I remember last time I was there, man. It was it was uh, cold, you know. <laughs> so it it could change there a lot. Um, hey, let let's start here. Um, a lot of news this week, and and it, you know, it's a it's amazing how this has worked out. How this is you know in your hometown in your backyard. But a lot of news about Deshaun Watson. So uh, we've been following this really, really closely. Uh, What's the latest here with the settling in, uh, the settling of lawsuits? And does it look like he's going to play this year? What's what's the latest there and what's the pulse like there in Cleveland? Um, Well, like you said, he's settled up for now of the lawsuits. So... um... I feel like there might we might be heading closer towards a resolution. Um, kind of the vibes I've been getting is still, uh, according to like NFL sources, there the settling of the lawsuits is going to have nothing to do with um, the suspension that'll be doled out, okay. assuming at least. Um, but I don't know. Um, it's going to be very interesting. I feel like there's still the vibe that he's going to be out for the full year. Um, that kind of seems to be the general understanding. The NFL is reportedly pushing for a full year, which, like, yes, at this point, Watson will have missed two full seasons of actual play. But in reality, he got paid last year, and he would only lose a million dollars this year. So really, how much is he hurting? And all of the rest of his contract is guaranteed. So, I don't know. It's to me, he's he's kind of going to end up not getting hurt as much. Um, it'll be interesting to see because it's still like I don't know what's taking so long. Um, I feel like there still hasn't been like a big reaction. Yeah. Um, yet, I think people are kind of waiting to see what's going to happen, and then from there, um, 
but it'll it'll be interesting when they finally do kind of dole something out um it's funny too because i feel like there's gonna be a little bit more focus now um so I don't know if you've seen the Guardians wake up this morning in first place with a huge comeback last night. Yeah, we got um, we got to talk about the Guardians. Yeah, um, and so you're saying because of the Guardians, or at least part of it, right, that some of the focus has been off uh, Watson. Yeah, um, like there's still been because the Browns still are kind of the they're they're the dominant team in Cleveland. Um, which is still, when you think about it, kind of ironic because out of the other teams, like uh, the Guardians slash Indians, they've been to the finals recently. Uh, the Cavs obviously won a championship not too long ago. Yeah. The Browns haven't even been to, like, the AFC title game in. Never been to a Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, they're, they're one of the few teams that's never been to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I, it, so, it's so, I don't know. Are the Browns prepared, do you think, of that he might get suspended for the year? And in which case, Jacoby Brissett, they ride with him? I don't think they're prepared yet, which is funny because, like, you knew this was coming. Like, you knew something was going to happen. Um, like, when, like, you knew something was going to happen, whether it was a couple games because it wasn't as bad as it seemed. Or it was long. Like, you knew you knew he wasn't just going to be, like, ready to go. But it seemed like they never had a good backup plan. Like, I think, I still think they kind of low-key hope that their backup plan is Baker Mayfield. I don't think Baker is playing another down for the Browns. Um, I, I would love to see him play because I think, like, he still has a lot to prove. I feel like he's done a lot for yeah. the Browns as a franchise. But I think a lot... It, it's really hard to repair that relationship, I think, at this point. This, um, yeah, I agree. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, um, so I just, I think it'll be interesting to kind of see, because um, I think they would just go Jacoby Brissett. Maybe you'll see somebody else. Um, they still do have... Uh, they still have Baker Mayfield as a trade chip. So let's say you trade him to Carolina, you can get back Sam Darnold. I don't know if he's an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett necessarily. Yeah. Or trade him to Seattle and get um get somebody there. I don't know. Yeah. Um I I, I was gonna ask you, um this is one I, I try to stay away from putting myself in someone else's shoes because that's really, really hard to do. But this is, um, I, I think, it, it's interesting discussion. I'm interested to hear your answer. You're in Baker Mayfield's shoes. What would you do? I would, um, I would still show up, but I wouldn't play. Okay. Because, um, like, holding out means he would miss out on $18 million. Yeah. And to me, like, I would say, yeah, I still deserve that eighteen million. Yeah, I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, um, yeah, but I would be. There would have to be a lot for me to want to play again for the Browns, for the way that I feel like I would have been disrespected and treated, even though like I played last year hurt when I didn't have to do that and everything like that. So, yeah. um, I I would say I wouldn't want to play. Okay, um, 
but also if they don't have a place for me, if I'm really interested to play football, then trade me somewhere. Yeah. Or cut me. I'll play for the Steelers. Wow. That would be amazing, right? If, if you play for the Steelers. Uh, and there's no doubt with the coaching team there that he would do well. And think about this scenario, Kenny. You suppose he, and this is not out of the realm of possibility, right? Uh, because they are Super Bowl contenders, I think, with their talent, with either Baker or, and this is no disrespect to Jacoby Brissett, who I think is a very good quarterback, but he's he's almost a little bit of a seat warmer, I think, um, which I don't think he would care about that. Um, but imagine if Baker comes and uh, Watson has to sit out suspended. And Baker plays, tunes out everything. I mean, you'd have to really be locked in. He tunes out all the other stuff. And the Browns win a Super Bowl. And he walks away. Our Browns even get to the Super Bowl. And he walks away next year. Boy, oh boy. With that. Imagine that scenario, you know. And it's not a realm of possibilities for the Browns to get, at least get to the Super Bowl and win it, you know. Um, oh, yeah. That would be that would be like the ultimate... Thank you, Cleveland. Yeah, um, wow. Honestly, even if they were to get to the AFC Championship game, like things would get crazy here. Yeah, um, yeah. Things were crazy after they beat the Steelers in in the first round a yeah. couple years ago. Yeah, uh, and very quietly, I haven't seen his commercials on on TV at all. You know, so very quietly, yeah. I think they took them all because his commercials are. You know, um, he's it's like the stadium, the Cleveland Stadium. That's his house. You know, he lives there. It's it's funny, and, and he's really good at it. Um, Watson still, and I guess this is par for the course, right? He has not admitted doing anything wrong. In fact, he, he doubled down again this past week, as did his attorneys when they made the announcement of paying with 20 out of the 24 uh, lawsuits off, and they said that the other four are in the works, and they you know, were very clear that, there's no admission of guilt, but I'm also benefit of the doubt. Legally, you probably have to take this stance. I would guess, right? Yeah, I think. Um, I think if you said, "Yeah, like I know I messed up," wow. like he would be facing like a lot of criminal charges, especially if some more end up popping up. Yeah, um, he could be really looking at um, at some like some legal issues like the the civil stuff fine like it'll hurt his wallet but like you know he gets criminal charges ends up in prison for a year like sorry there's no turning back from that and i think at that point also the browns could probably void his contract yeah kind of like similar didn't i think that's what happened to michael vick if i remember right they did yeah and michael vick had signed at the time the biggest contract in, in nfl history and uh it all got it all got voided, and I, I, I think though Watson could learn a lot from Michael Vick. Again, you know, you and I have talked about Michael Vick quite a bit. I, I think he is a, um, I, I think he's a model on how to come back from stuff. What he did was horrific, right? And and some of the stuff he was involved in, but yeah. he owned up to it. Uh, he, I mean, he, he went to fe- he went to Leavenworth. He was in federal prison for three years. So he, you talk about a hard time. He did some hard time. It's not like he went away to, you know, some country club type prison, as people say. Um, you know, he did he did hard time, and you know he's got a successful career now. He's a broadcaster, and and uh, you know he's never hidden from this. But there's a lot of people that never forgave him, and 
I have a feeling this will stick with Watson for a long time. And uh, I, I don't know where – I think um, I'm, I'm anxious for the next step. And, uh, and, you know, there's always redemption. There's always restoration, right? Uh, again, you and I don't know where his faith is at. We would hope that he does have faith. And, and, and certainly, you know, the 24 ladies that are involved here, and it's, it's obviously a lot more too. Um, you know, just pray for their restoration and healing as well, you know. But um, I think that the NFL commissioner, this is where uh, Goodell – this is where he earns that thirty-something million dollars that the owners pay him every year. You know, he's got a he's got to make a decision that's not going to make. There's going to be uh, it's going to be almost split fifty-fifty. You know, because even if he suspends him for a year, to a lot of people, that's not going to be enough. You know. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, and if he suspends him for a year, there's going to be some angry owners because they know unfortunately in the NFL other stuff is probably going to happen and come and they don't want that precedent um you know but and hopefully he he speaks to the baseball commissioner Manfred and how he's kind of handled Trevor Bauer here again that's a, a story that's kind of gone away and Bauer has kind of gone away um and and, and that two year suspension was you didn't really hear a lot of people saying, oh, that's not enough, you know. Um, and uh, it's, it's not like the Dodgers were crying, you know. Oh, man, you know, we got to get him back. So uh, I, this is going to be really interesting how it plays out, you know. But the more important part is his, you know, how does he move forward as a human? How do those ladies move forward as humans? That's probably the most important part of the story. That's probably not going to get talked about that much, you know. Um, all right. Let, you know, since since we had our last podcast, the Golden State Warriors are the NBA champs, and I, I want to hear about your perspective in your lifetime uh, as four championships, six trips to the finals, and and Steph Curry obviously finally won the MVP here in the finals. This is clearly his team. Uh, they beat a very good Celtics team. Not a great Celtics team, I don't think. I think the Celtics are still missing a piece or two. But what a year they had as well. Uh, but how do you put it all in perspective, in, in a historical perspective, particularly in your lifetime, with these Golden State Warriors? Um, I really like what some people have said about the Warriors, that they're very unselfish. Um. But what, like, and I, I could probably go on about that. I feel like they're a very unselfish team. Um, Steph Curry in particular, he gets a guy that's clearly better than him in Kevin Durant, and he kind of defers all of the, the focus on him. Um, but I think one of the biggest things, and I feel like when you look at it from a historical perspective, this championship means a lot more to those big three guys of Steph, Clay, and Draymond than any of the previous three. Um, obviously, Steph Curry finally winning Finals MVP was big for him. Um, he clearly had the best um, the best Finals out of anybody. I mean, there was already the talk of if they lose that he could win Finals MVP. Like guys averaging over thirty points had that huge um, that huge performance in Game 4 that really changed the series around. Um, 
so obviously a huge moment for them. Um, Clay Thompson having two devastating injuries, um, injuries that have we've seen yeah. destroy careers before. Think of yeah. Derrick Rose. I think of uh, Boogie Cousins too with the torn yeah. Achilles. Yeah, um, been the same. Yeah, and like, and here he is holding the the championship trophy. Draymond Green. A lot of people saying he's done. He's washed up. He's kind of just the the guy that's there, and he wins the title. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting, and I'd seen this, um, and it's one of those things that people haven't really talked about. The Warriors are the first team ever to go from worst team in the league to NBA championship within three years. Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah. Like, and obviously part of the the fall was Steph Curry was hurt for most of that year. Clay Thompson was out for the entire year. Like, and I, I get all of that, but still, like, the fact that they were able to bounce back to me is still very impressive. Yeah. Because, like, I, I still think back to the Raptors when Kevin Durant tears his Achilles and then Clay Thompson is shooting free throws off of a torn ACL. Like, it kind of felt like, well, this was a great run, but it looks like it's over now. Yeah. yeah. And here they are three years after that winning another title. Um, and you could argue that they're one of the favorites to – win it again next year. And while I'm not sure if that's going to happen, uh, the NBA has become very, very much more balanced. Um, I had mentioned this on Facebook um, four years ago. We were looking at the fourth matchup between the Cavs and the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Since that time, there have been seven different teams that have been in the NBA Finals, mm-hmm. Warriors being the only team that's made it twice. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the same span, baseball has had six, uh, football has had six. Yeah. So, um, I I love the balance. I love the parity. I think it's really good for the league. Yeah. Um, but I think in general, you look at it. Um, Steph Curry has might have cemented himself as I would say for sure a top twenty player of all time. Oh. There are some people saying yeah. top ten, um, but like the guy has not only been absolutely excellent, he's been a very humble leader. Um, but also, like, he's arguably the greatest shooter ever. Um, yeah. He's completely changed the way that the NBA is played. Oh, there's no question. Uh, no no question. Um, you said a lot of great things there. There's not, not much for me to add. I think you put it in great perspective. And, uh, it, it, you know, the thing you'll add also to that year where they had the worst record is that was the year, obviously, Durant left. So it, it, it really fell apart. And, and a lot of times you'll see... Uh, because I really want to give Steve Kerr a lot of credit here, because a lot of times you'll see uh, a coach then bail, right? They they've done their thing. They're you know okay, it's it's over. He stayed and and he had some serious health issues with his back, but yet he still stuck it through. And and look at him, you know, getting a fourth title there. Um, I, I I think was just amazing, and it's amazing how you can. Because I think the era that we've seen the NBA from, you know, the announcement with LeBron was to try to build these super teams. But actually, that didn't really start with LeBron. It started more with the Celtics when they got, you know, Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen to go along with Paul Pierce. And and listen, that's worked to an extent, right? Because you can't argue with the Celtics' success in that, you know, small era. Uh, the Heat winning a couple of championships, going to the finals four straight times. 
in, in the LeBron era there. But these Warriors, they did it differently. You know, they these are guys that they drafted, uh, you know, and, and yeah. they built, you know, from within. And guys that they held on to and kept their core together. And, you know, they added the piece in Durant for those couple of years. And, listen, nobody really liked that. It, it, it is what it is. But, you know, and I think that's why Durant is trying so hard to win another championship on his own here because he probably feels like he doesn't get credit. Because when you think about that Golden State team, even though Durant was the finals MVP, I think both those times, uh, it, you yeah. still think that it was it was Curry's team, you know. Um, and And so I think that, Keeping, uh, you know, being smart in the draft, adding these other pieces here and there, um, you know, it, 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 I think that's the smart way to go. And you think about the guys over the years, uh, Barbosa, Sean Livingston, Iguodala, you know, all these guys that they kind of brought in, you know, Andrew Bogot, you know, you sometimes forget those names that would just key pieces in their championships. And the same this year, you know, with Jordan Poole and, and even Gary Payton Jr., you know, it was Happy, you know, it was good to see him come back in the same playoffs when he had that devastating injury. Uh, they they've got they've got some good Andrew Wiggins, obviously. You know, uh, is going to probably make a lot of money too. You know, so uh, it, it's an amazing run. It, it really is, and kudos to the Warriors. Celtics will be tough next year. You know, Celtics add another piece. I don't know what that piece looks like, but uh, they keep that core together, which they've also built through the draft, right? With you know, with with Tatum and Brown, and uh, you know, if you keep those guys together, they're they're going to be, you know, hard to reckon with, and that's not good news for our Knicks. Uh, speaking of yeah. which, it, any uh, and I don't know if you had anything else on the Warriors, you could say that, but I wanted to ask you about the NBA draft tonight and and any any insight because I, I unfortunately I haven't followed it the way I should have because the Knicks have what the eleventh pick, so I'm not I'm not crazy excited unless they trade up, you know, but. Any thoughts on the NBA draft tonight? Um, I'll give a quick note on the Celtics. Yeah. Um, talking with a few of my friends. Yes. Um, it seems like, and I would agree, they really need a point guard. Because, like, Jason Tatum set a record for 100 turnovers yeah. in, the fi- or yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, there was just a lot of sloppy play. They need that guy to kind of center them. Yeah. Um, and also, you look at a lot of their issues, like, they almost blew that 13-point lead against Miami in Game 7. Yeah, um, yeah. They had the lead yeah. in Game 4, and they lost it. Like, a lot of, like, the team, when they get tight, they it's hard for them to recover. They need that guy that can kind of settle them down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, obviously, this is not something that I would say. Um, but this was a name that was brought up, and I would say, yeah, he would probably fit pretty well, and he would be a guy that would work. Obviously, I'm saying no because the guy is Derrick Rose. Um, I oh, feel like gosh. he would fit really well with that team. Yeah, oh, he now, would. Now, yeah. obviously, like, he's not a free agent or anything, and I wouldn't say I want to give up Derrick Rose because he's a big reason why the Knicks were good last year or yeah. the year before. Yep. So yeah. I'll just leave it at that. Um, I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, like, I know, like, we both watched a little bit of uh, March Madness together, but, like, I don't really have much on it this year. Um, there's been a lot of rumblings about the Knicks trading up. Um, other than that, I, yeah, um, I got. I don't know. It's just because I also feel like you look at the Knicks. Even if they get a stud, like does that make them better than Milwaukee? Does that make them better than Boston? Does that make them better than Brooklyn if Kyrie stays? 
does that make them better than Miami? Already, that's four teams. Um, yeah. da- so, I don't know. Damian Lillard or Donovan Mitchell bring them to that level. That it, it, I would go all out to try to get those guys. And, and you know, I don't uh, – if the Knicks stick with the core of the younger guys, do we wait on them to develop and do we have – I don't want to compare them to Golden State, but – you know, Obi, Emmanuel. I mean, they still have uh, RJ. They have. They've kept their number one picks here, and and they're they're very good, serviceable NBA players that could grow into something special. And I'm wondering, you keep those three guys together, and you're patient there. So if you could land one other guy, like like one of those two guys who I, I think would still be available, um, then then and and you. And maybe you have to put Julius Randle in there, but the salary is the the thing that you'd have to, you know, concern yourself with. But uh, you know, you add one of those guys, you keep those those core draft picks, and you and you try to get another good pick at the number eleven spot here. Although they're you know the guy they really want is the guy from Purdue, who was really really good. Uh, Jordan Ivy, I think his name is. Um, uh, they really want him, and they think they could get him if they go down to number uh, trade up to number four. So we'll see what they could do. But I, I just I'm hesitant to trade those young chips. You know, um, I, I also wouldn't trade Derrick Rose. I, I'm with you there. I think he's perfect coming off the bench. Um, you know, uh, you said that he was big reason why they were good two years ago. He also was a big reason why they weren't good. You know, for a good stretch last year, because I think they missed him right away, and so um, and, and listen, I I want to see Randall be a star here and, and continue and and go back to. I just don't know that it's going to happen. You know, um, not not based on some of the things last year. He needs a whole mindset shift, and um, you know, in, playing in New York is tough. You know, so so we'll see, but um, I think that. Um, I think that you're right in terms of if the Celtics add that piece. Malcolm Brogdon is also a name that would probably fit perfectly with the Celtics. Oh, uh, he fit good yeah. with the Knicks too, but you know he probably fit even better with the Celtics. So they can move Marcus Smart over. Um, I, you know, you're right. The, the Knicks have a lot to deal with. It's going to be interesting to see what other teams do, like the 76ers, some of those teams that you know, have kind of been on the cusp for a little while now. What do you do? You know, you're going to ride with Harden and Embiid, uh, you know, down the road. Um, the Bucks is going to be interesting to see how they retool a little bit. So um, Miami, I mean, it doesn't get any easier in the East. Brooklyn. Know. Yeah, Brooklyn. Brooklyn's going to be interesting. Well, let's the Lakers, about, too, I think will be interesting. Very interesting. Let's talk about Brooklyn for a second, though. I'm glad you brought that up. I jotted down Kyrie. I didn't know we'd have time to get to it. But let's get to him real quick. So – it's looking more and more like he's going to opt out um, because the Nets have kind of drawn a line in the sand here that they're not going to extend him. Good move by the Nets or no? Um, it depends. Um, first of all, I think what he um, – I don't know if you saw the report that apparently after Steve Nash would hold practice, he would then grab five other guys and then conduct his own practice. To me, he has zero respect for the coaching he thinks that he's like the net. He thinks he's Joe Sy owning the Nets, um, and this is also a guy that played in 103 games in the last three seasons, I believe. Um, Jordan Poole played in 104 this year. 
So just to kind of give a little bit of a comparison. Yeah. The guy doesn't play that much. He like if it's not the vaccination, which okay, I can I can understand that. Like if you played in any other city, it would have worked you like it wouldn't have been an issue. Yeah. Um, but I'll just point out Golden State had that issue for about five seconds, but Andrew Wiggins decided to to get the vaccine. But yeah. also like if you don't want to get it, I'm not gonna force you. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not only just that. Um, he didn't want to play in the bubble. He was one of the very outspoken guys of not playing in the bubble. Um, he has left multiple times for personal reasons and is popping up on Zooms, is in, like, this place or the other. So, like, his next tenure hasn't been great. And you start to look at the, the pattern here. Um, Boston... He get he still gets mad that he gets booed so badly there, but like he's at at the TD Garden saying like, "Hey, I want to retire a Celtic. I want to be here for life." What did he expect? You know, they were gonna cheer yeah. him. Yeah, that was a complete failure uh, when he went to Boston. It, it it didn't work at all. They're they're not gonna cheer him. You know, <laughs> right? And then also you look at uh, his time with the Cavs. Like he was excellent. Like, one of the big heroes of the 2016 uh, championship. And then he's like, well, I'm good here. And said that he didn't like playing with LeBron. Although now he's saying, well, (laughs) I I realize what LeBron was doing. When he goes to the Lakers, Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, that would be be, be must-watch TV for uh, all the nights the Lakers will be on TV (laughs) if he goes to the Lakers. So I, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't give him. I wouldn't give him a max deal at all. I would give him maybe a one or two, with like heavy incentives for how many games you play. Yeah. Um. And if I'm if I'm any other team, I don't go anywhere near him. Um. I think if the Nets could get him via sign and trade, so let's say let's say he does want to go to the Lakers and. Not the best scenario, but like you say, my problem for your problem, you get Russell Westbrook. Yeah, Westbrook isn't necessarily going to make the Nets better, but at least he's an expiring contract you can get rid of. And him and Durant played um, well together for a long time, you know, in OKC. Yeah, so that's that's not a bad move, actually. You know, um, oh, I I read that the other day. I was like, huh, that probably would work. You know, um, can I say this real quick? My 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 personal feelings have changed on Kyrie over the last couple of months because you've heard me say this before that I feel like he's a guy that uh, that I could see being a philanthropist that I think has a big heart. I think he's very compassionate towards uh, causes like homeless and and the hungry. And, you know, there also have been videos when he was out of him showing up at a soup kitchen at, at one in the morning to serve the homeless, you know. Um, but here's why I don't think it's ever going to work here in New York. And I don't think it would work in L.A. either. Uh, he is way, way, way too thin skinned. And he could be vicious mm-hmm. when he comes back at you. Um, some of the stuff that they caught on video uh, during that Boston series, which... That was a time to be humble because, I mean, you, you got swept, right? So that was a time to just be, you know what, they're, they're a great team. They were better than us. We'll retool. We'll be back next year. That's it. Then, you know, but he said a lot of other stuff 
which didn't make sense. But, you know, the two middle fingers, you know, like he's fixing his hair, you know, to the you got to ignore all that, you know. Um, And again, I'm not. um, How can I say this? I haven't been in those shoes, obviously. Right. Where you get booed by 19000 people and they're probably saying some really bad things. But listen, Michael Jordan never, you know, engaged in any of that. LeBron has at times here and there, you know, but. Overall, the greatest player, Patrick Ewing, you know, when you think about the great NBA players, and they play in close spaces, so I get it, right? The fans are right there. It's not like in baseball where they're a little further away, uh, you know, or in hockey where you have the glass. And, you know, they're they're right there on top of you, so I I do get it. But Kyrie's got to know better than that and do better than that. He's such a contradiction when he came, you know, with the the flashy jacket and, and in the garden. When the Nets, you know, came back that, that first time, they let him actually in the building, and he's going back and forth with uh, some of the fans as well. I just just sit there, relax, and cheer your teammates on, and that's it. I mean, you know, so I I don't know who the true Kyrie is. I do know this. So from a basketball and a sports perspective, I, I'm with you 100. percent I I would totally not give him a max deal. He's so unreliable. You know, not just the, you know, he gets injured and sometimes you can't help that. Some players are just more injury prone. So I don't hold that against him, but they're just disappearing and stuff like that. And, you know, um, again, I don't even hold the not getting vaccinated, you know, against him. That's a personal choice. You made it. That's fine. But then you, you can't complain when they sit you out. You know, I mean, what did you expect? You know, and you can't now complain to say, Listen, you're a big part of why we didn't go further last year. That team had zero rhythm. You know, first they, you know, they traded away all their role players to get, you know, uh, Harden. And and then, you know, had to reverse all that to ship Harden away because of probably what was happening with Kyrie. So it's, my feelings have definitely changed on him. No, I wouldn't take a chance on him. And when I read that, the Knicks were interested. I'm like, no, run. run. I know you right. texted me that. I was like, no, 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 not just that ship sailed. I listen. I still wish we would have gotten Kevin Durant, but I'm actually happy that we didn't get Kyrie now. You know, it's, um, it, it's anyway, um, let's shift gears because we've got two New York larger than life figures that are just off to these amazing, amazing starts and the season now is starting to get a little deeper. No June swoons, thank goodness. In fact, the Yankees' June has been crazy good. Uh, the Mets are a little shaky the last couple of days, but they've overall still been pretty good. Um, but Aaron Judge and Pete Alonzo, my goodness, two big guys, larger-than-life figures, really living up now this year so far to the expectations. Give me your thoughts on Aaron Judge. He continues to just destroy the baseball and – it's crazy every single time I see, like, like it's kind of become, oh, yeah, he did it again. Um, he had a multi-home run game yesterday, um, which ended up proving to be big because they, uh, they came back on the Rays. Um, so both those solo homers ended up making the difference, along with Trevino, who's, who's also, like, um, a lot of people or a lot of his teammates – also, Aaron Booner starting to say, hey, like, this guy should be an all-star. Yeah. And I don't know. I kind of agree. But um, I don't know. It's – I also look – I don't know if you know this. Tomorrow is his arbitration hearing. So, 
Like, I don't know. Come on, Brian Cashman. Just give this guy give this guy the one-year deal. Honestly, I would just say, give him the inspection now. Don't have to worry about it. Let this dude play. I mean, he has a chance to set the Yankee franchise record for home runs. I say it that way so that people can't say, oh, well, he'll be the new home run kick. He should be. But, um, like, this guy could break a record that's been standing for almost 60 years, or no, over 60 years now. So, I don't know. Um, He's just been amazing. And also a good example, I had seen someone post about this. Um, Yankees looked a little flat a couple days ago. Big reason why might be because Aaron Judge did a play. Wow. Like, it always seems like they... They're in games. They're always there. Um, Sweeney Murdy tweeted this out. Um, out of their 18 losses, I think like 15 of them are by one run or 10 of them. I don't remember the number, but it, a good chunk of them are by either one or two runs. So, um, man, <laughs> but yeah, he's just been amazing. And, and honestly, like you look at Alonzo and it's like, oh, like, could we have two New York MVPs? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I, I, I listen. I can't add anything on Judge. He's been spectacular, and I and I said this a few weeks ago. I love that he bet on himself, and I love seeing this. You know that he said, "You know what? Uh, I'm going to go for it." Is that uh, arbitration? Didn't that typically happen before the season? I don't remember arbitrations happening. You know during during the year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's um, yeah. this is a lockout. Okay. Um, because they couldn't do the arbitrations during during gotcha. the off okay. season, so. I, and, you know, the idea of arbitration is for the team to get in there and say why the player doesn't deserve the money. That is very – that's why the baseball – you see players leave because they don't forget about stuff like that, a la Chris, Chris Bryant and, and a few others. You know, I remember I was saying, oh, Chris Dylan Bryant – Yeah, exactly. You know, and people say, oh, Chris Bryant might go back to the Cubs. No, he would never go back to the Cubs. Cubs could have paid him anything. He, he didn't He didn't forget all what the Cubs did to him. You know, uh, keeping him down and then every year giving him a lot less in arbitration. That's a terrible move by the Yankees. You're right. Uh, Cashman should sign him long term now. And I know he's 30, right? I know he's a little older than your, you know, free agent that first goes uh, to free agency that first time. But man, oh man, he is clearly, clearly the heart and soul of that team. Clearly the leader on that team. I mean, just put it in perspective, you said they don't even have 20 losses yet. And it is June 23rd. This, I mean, I mean, it's it's amazing. And he's a huge reason why. And I know the pitching has been phenomenal. But I, he is the heart and soul of that team. He really is. Um, I get to Pete Alonso real quick because I want to get to the fun stuff. He, he also is the heart and soul of the Mets. He's played, he plays hard all the time. He's got this great, you know, where... Uh, he's always won me over, but he won me over even more when that whole thing happened with them and the Cardinals. He gets tackled from behind. And, you know, afterwards he, he said, and it's been a couple of, he got beamed in the head a couple of times this year and he's kept his cool. And he said, I'm a, I'm a really big guy. If I wanted to fight, people would get hurt. He said, so that's just not me. He's just got this great mentality, you know, uh, lifts his teammates up. I don't know if he's the clear leader on the Mets. I think Lindor, DeGrom, Max Scherzer probably are. But I tell you what, man, they feed off of him. When he's hot, that team runs. And, and he's got, you know, 65 RBIs 
you know, already. I mean, he could have 80-something by the All-Star break, which is going to be spectacular, you know. So um, I I just I, I love what he's doing. And, yes, I think that we could have two MVPs uh, both here in New York this year because uh, provided they stay healthy, you know, that's always the big the big if more with Judge than with Alonzo. Alonzo's been pretty healthy. But Alonzo has got a lot of things that he's figured out. You know, and I think the DH has also helped him. He hated it, you know, being a DH at times, you know. Uh, but um, now he's kind of thrived. Every time he's DH, he's hitting home runs and comes back better the next day, you know. Um, hey, a quick uh, quick trivia question for you. Um, Hank Greenberg, as you know, holds the record with 190 RBIs in one year. Might be one of those that we may not ever see broken, right? Do you yeah. know that he had, I think, 122 at the All-Star break and that he did not make the All-Star team? Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was That's a, crazy. I have no idea why. You know, you have to look up why. But, uh, but he didn't make the All-Star team that year. Uh, and he wound up with 190 RBIs for the year, you know. And that was like in the 30s, if I'm not mistaken. It wasn't in the real dead ball era, you know. Um, he, he just... Uh, amazing. It was just amazing. All right, let's get to some fun stuff. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Conversation last week. Your mom brought this up. I thought it was great. Uh, she saw this video of Steph Curry's three-year-old son dribbling two basketballs, regular size basketballs, uh, really, really good. And it looks like he obviously has the talent. He has the bug for basketball. And if you look at the Curry's, him and Seth. Seth is a very good player, very underrated, I think. You know, um, and obviously yeah. their, their dad, Dell, I remember him extremely well. You don't, but he was a sharpshooter. He didn't do much else, but he used to come off the bench, I remember, with Charlotte. He was with a few teams. Uh, Milwaukee, if I remember right, and he was a very, very good player. But, I mean, Steph is obviously all world. But is there something in the genes there? And, and some of the other more famous ones are the Mannings, the Longs in football. You look at baseball, the Griffies, the Bonds, you know, um, who the kids have were way better than their dads, you know, and their dads were very good players. Ken Griffey Sr. was very good. Barry Bonds was borderline Hall of Fame player, I thought. Um, and then you look at the Blue Jays. They've kind of cornered the market with Bichette, with Guerrero, and with Biggio. Uh, is there something there? And even on the you know female side, you have you know Muhammad Ali and Layla Ali, and and there's probably a lot more that that we can think of. I know there's Tamika Catchings. Her dad was a pretty good NBA player, and she was you know uh, retired now, but all world WNBA player for a long time. Is there something to saying that it's in the genes? It's hereditary. Uh, it, are, are you amazed when you see these second generations coming out? Because some of these players you remember, you know, and, and you're still really young, but, you know, you remember Va- Va- Vladimir Guerrero Sr., you know. Uh, now you see his son coming up and doing really well. So something in the genes? What do you think? Um, I think it. part of it is something in the genes. Um, you had mentioned the Guerreros. Um, listen to this one. Um, within both of them, Within uh, their first 403 career games, 87 home runs and a 363 on base. That's crazy. That's, That's amazing. wild. That is amazing. Almost as wild as the fielders, Prince and Cecil, finishing with the same career number of career home runs. Amazing. Um, 
I think part of it is genes. Like you look at like guys like the Griffies, the Mannings, um, Peyton and Eli, both obviously with Super Bowl rings. Um, they apparently have a nephew that's really good in high school or college right <laughs> that's now. Amazing. See a um, third generation Manning quarterback. <laughs> yeah. So, um, like, I think part of it is genes. I think also part of it might be, like, if your dad is an athlete, you have access to a lot of things that other people may not have. Oh, Even if it's point. just by your name. Yeah, great um, point. Because take, like, LeBron's son, Bronny. I think that from what it sounds like, a lot of people are projecting him because he's still a couple years away. Um, they're projecting him to be, like, maybe a late first round, second round type of draft pick. But you know someone's going to pick him up because, well, this is LeBron James' son. And also he's kind of said, like, my last year I want to play with my son. So it would be like, hey, here's a, here's a good way to get LeBron there. Um, but I think also there is some aspect of talent. Another one, another family, um, which I think it's only a two-generation now because they're both kind of old, the Boones. Um, yeah. Brett Boone and Aaron Boone and yeah. Bob Boone. Yep, yep. Um, but, like, I think it's probably, a, like, a mix because, like, I mean, Steph Curry, yes, he had probably, like, being able to say, like, my dad was an NBA player helps him. But also the guy is an amazing shooter and, like, no one's hit more three-pointers in their career than Steph Curry has. Um, yes, Vladdy Jr. might have been able to, like, be on the sidelines with his dad in an all-star game. But the guy was runner-up to MVP like any other year, he probably would have won it. Um, you think of like the Bonds like I know steroids helped him, but still Barry Bonds like no one's hit more home runs than him in his career. Yeah, um, he didn't need steroids. Not only either. just yeah. in yeah. career, but regular season. So yeah. like part of that, like there has to be some kind of talent in there. Um, it would be really cool to see Steph Curry's son. Um, eventually, like, make it all the way there. Oh, amazing. Uh, you made a great point. I hadn't thought about that. They're, they probably have access to better training, better equipment, things like that, um, and because their their dads are, are major leaguers or NBA players or NFL players. Um, the other flip side on that is that uh, we've also seen um, some busts, you know, like Patrick Ewing Jr., uh, I, I mean, he made oh, it to the yeah. NBA, but he didn't do well. And, and uh, then he floundered for a couple of years. Michael Jordan's sons, uh, you know, weren't uh, very good in college. Uh, Dallas Strawberry's son, I know, was uh, drafted in, into the NBA, but never got to play. You know, uh, played a different sport, obviously. Uh, so I don't think it's always just the genes. I think maybe the name does get you kind of far. Um, you know, I we went to a Ducks game on... Saturday, and I'm still surprised that you know Lee Mazzilli Jr., um, L.J. Mazzilli never never made it. I mean, he was a highly taunted prospect. Lee Mazzilli wasn't a great player, but he was very good. Um, but I, I just, you know, so sometimes I think that um, you also have to put in the work. It, it seems like um, Bronny James, you know, plays in like every tournament. For a kid, I mean, you can't, you know, scroll anywhere on social media without seeing some sort of highlight. Uh, so I'm dunking now and everything, you know. So um, I, I I think there's something to, to being, you know, in the genes. But I think you have to combine the hard work. And I love what you said about 
you know, having access to to better training stuff. Um, I'm sure we could probably think of a lot more. Maybe we will in the next next week or two. But I'm sure there's a lot more players. Like, how many of the Longs played in the NFL, man? I know Howie was really good. There's got to be at least two, right? That were, I think one just recently retired. But um, there, there were at least a couple of them that were, that have had really, really good good careers, right? In the NFL, you're probably looking it up now. Um, which, and, then, and, and the Mannings, I mean, what are the, Archie was very good. You don't remember Archie. Archie just played on really bad teams. You know, but he was yeah. he was very good. Um, when he got on a good team, the Oilers at the Houston Oilers, right now the Tennessee Titans, um, they they had like a lot of injuries and something like that. And they never could get going, and then he got hurt. You know, but uh, but Archie was very good. Uh, but but Peyton definitely, obviously, the best of the bunch. Um, yeah, how many of the longs? I see three, There's but three. also wow. Yeah. Yeah. I thought so. I thought you had three kids that played. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. Wow. All right. We're going to get ready to wind up, but I, I want to do a series for a little bit. And we could come back to the hereditary thing also next week. Now, this is an interesting discussion. Maybe we could look up some scientific stuff on that, you know, in terms of, you know, what's, what's this? Is there any science behind it at all? But I, I, I think we did this maybe sometime last year. How about we do. A five-part series here on your top five sports moments ever, just in your lifetime. And so I didn't give you too much heads up on this. So I'll go first on my number five. So today, just our number five, right? And and so my number five is going to be a little bit weird to you. So uh, I'm going to go back to 1972. And, I'm just, and so I'm thinking where I'm envisioning this is how I felt at that moment that I watched it, right? And and this is stuck did it stick in my mind and in my heart and whenever I think about it, just something happens. So that's what I mean by top five. I mean there's there's obviously you know, we could probably debate the top five of all time and maybe we didn't feel anything like, you know, um who was it, uh, Bobby Thompson's home run, you know, and, and to to go to the pennant. the Giants win the pennant, you know. That does nothing for me except, oh, wow, that was an exciting moment, you know, but but it doesn't hit me, you know, here. All right. So my top five, because I remember it so well, I was 11 years old um, and no, this wasn't a Knicks championship. This was the 1972 NBA finals. And you're going to find this moment kind of weird. It's a rematch of the 1970 NBA finals with the Knicks and the Lakers. Uh, however, this was a little bit different, right? Because the Lakers in the regular season, that was when they broke a couple of records. They won 33 straight games. Unbelievable, right? Um, still hasn't been broken, if I'm not mistaken, right? Nobody's broken that. Uh, 33 straight Golden games. Golden State won 24. They won 24, that the yeah. That was the closest. 33 straight games. And they won 70 games, right, overall in the regular season, which at the time was a record. And that's been broken, right, by the Bulls and then by the Warriors. Um, but the Lakers were a great team. That was kind of their, that was a little bit of their kind of last really huge run with Will Chamberlain, Gail Goodrich, Jerry West. Elgin Baylor was on the, uh, on the team, but I believe he was hurt. Happy Harrison, you know, some, some of those names won't mean anything to you, but, um, but anyway, the Knicks still had their championship team intact and they had added Earl Monroe to that team, right? So, 
conference finals, man, ABC at the time must have uh, been loving it. The conference finals was the Knicks and the Celtics in the East and the Lakers and the Bucks in the West. And the Bucks had coming off a championship, still had uh, Kareem, uh, young Kareem Jabbar, and Oscar Robertson. At the end of his career, Oscar Robertson. But they just... They had just swept uh, the Bullets the year before uh, and won the title, right? So the Knicks, be- the Knicks beat the Celtics pretty handily in five games. The Knicks won four games to one. The, the Bucks and Lakers series was more hard for it, but the uh, Lakers beat them in six games, four games to two. So now you got Knicks-Lakers rematch from two years beforehand, and Everything points to the Lakers are going to just wax the Knicks, right? Because they are that good. Game one, I remember my mom letting me stay up because it was on the West Coast. And that game, they didn't put it at 9 o'clock like they do now. It was at 10 o'clock. It started on the West Coast. And the Knicks come out and they smoke the Lakers in game one. And I looked up the final score this morning, one fourteen to ninety two, and and I'm just like I couldn't. I remember me and my brother, we just we just couldn't believe what we were seeing, and and now our hopes are up that the Knicks are going to win another championship here, and that they're going to beat beat the mighty Lakers. Uh, but our hopes got dashed pretty quickly as the Lakers swept the next four <laughs> games. So the Knicks didn't lose that finals in five games. And actually, I also looked up some of the scores. Most of those games weren't really that close. The real Lakers came out. Um, you know, in fact, game five, the Knicks lost by 14. I think game four was the closest game in, in, that, uh, in that finals. But I just re- to take myself back to that moment and remembering the hope I had and how excited we were. Because I really remember 1970, but I don't remember 1970 all that well. Because, again, it was weird because some of the games weren't on TV. Um, but I also wasn't following the way I should. I fell in love with basketball after that. And uh, by the time it got to the 72 season, I was a real good follower of the game. It was rooting so hard for the Knicks to win. Pumped up, they won game one, but they got swept <laughs> the next four games. So uh, those are my top. That That's my number five. What you got? All right. Well, my number five... Um... One that came to mind that really sticks with me is, um, and this is kind of not just a single moment, but the end of the 2011 MLB season. Um, oh. We're really like that end of that season in the playoffs. Really like the craziest game 162s out there. Um, whether it was like the epic collapse of the Red Sox where they were already – they had been up by like eight games or something like that. And then were saw that lead dwindle down. And then the lowly Baltimore Orioles come back on Jonathan Papelbon in the ninth inning. Um, and then just as that's happening, um, the Yankees who are already in the playoffs, kind of a throwaway game for them. Um, they blow a seven, nothing lead to with their like, back end relievers that aren't making the playoff roster to the Rays, who then tie it. And then it's extra innings. I think it's the top of the 11th. They see that the Red Sox have lost. And then Evan Longoria hits, um, which they actually have marked in their ballpark, like 162 landing. Home run right down the left field line. Everyone's going crazy. Wow. I remember that. But then, 
while all that's happening, you have on the National League side the Braves with the epic collapse as well. Or I think it was the Braves, right? Yeah. No, it might have been. Okay. I think so. Um, they have an epic collapse and kind of all happening at the same time. What I remember is I was working at King Cullen at the time, getting in at like 11, 12 o'clock at night, and being able to watch all of that chaos unfold. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of fun. But then you go to the World Series where um, the Texas Rangers are literally one out away, and they couldn't seal the deal. Yeah. Um, and then David Freeze becomes the epic hero and – the Joe Buck call, calling back his dad. Yeah. We'll see you tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, just an amazing couple games there. Um, so the 2011 end of the season for me, number five. That's a really, really good one. Man, oh, man. And uh, I, I had had hernia surgery, and I was hurting in that World Series. But you called mommy and said, you got to wake him up. He's got to watch this. And I got up in time to see that whole, what was that, game six, right? Uh, I was watching yeah. it, but I, I really hadn't slept much because I was in a lot of pain. And finally, I was able to sleep. But she would not let me go back. She said, no, Kenny says, you got to get up. You got to get up. And I was so glad I did because I, I, I was at like 11th inning maybe when he hit that home run. Um, that, yeah. But that was amazing. That was an ama- That's one of the least talked about World Series. Um, you know, whereas that it's it was one of the best. Every game was was tight and dramatic. Um, but boy, that last day of the season, I remember that. Oh my gosh! Particularly the Tampa one, which you know was just unbelievable. You know, um, Tampa and the, Yan- and the Yankees. You know, had nothing really to lose there. But man, oh man, that was amazing. All right, um, we are there. Let's go ahead, and I got the music going. Kenny, take the call. All right, this is Kenny Square Dan. Kenny. With sports on the positive tip. We'll be here at number four next week. Absolutely. So make sure you listen in. Absolutely. Take care, everybody.